Alright everybody, welcome back. We've got a special episode for you. Special episode alert. Today is our 2021 Bold Predictions episode. What does that mean? We are going to make, we being Andrew, myself, and a special guest, Carly Riley, who was the finance director on our 2020 presidential run and a complete superstar in many, many ways. Uh, we are going to make some predictions for the year. Um, and here's the deal. The winner... If you get them right, um, we're gonna we're gonna bet on them. Um, so if you're listening to these, use the hashtag Yang Speaks Wager and let us know what we should bet on them because I think it's more fun if you guys tell us what dumb things we do if right or wrong. So tune in the Yang Speaks special bold predictions for 2021 with Carly Riley coming up right now. Welcome back. We have a special episode alert for Yang Speaks. This is Zach Grauman. I'm one of the co-hosts of Andrew Yang Speaks. And this is, as of right now, the last episode of 2020. What a year it has been. And look, Andrew doesn't take many days off. He's actually not taking the day off today, but he's taking the day off from the podcast. Um, so you're stuck with me. But I will say this. The last time that yours truly hosted an episode of Andrew Yang's podcast, Yang Speaks, it was a top 10 episode. So I don't, I don't even know, I don't want to say it, but maybe I should say that I seem to be driving most of the downloads here. So I love you guys. Thanks for at least pretending to tune in. And more importantly, the reason that it actually performed well last time is because we had good guests. And the guest we've got for today is the wonderful Carly Riley. Hello, Carly. Hello, thanks for having me. So Carly was our finance director on the Andrew Yang for President campaign, um, is now working at a venture fund, doing some pretty amazing stuff. But why she's here and what we want to do today to keep this interesting is we wanted to get out in the universe some bold predictions for 2021. So we're going to make some predictions and Andrew is making some predictions for 2021 which I'm excited about. Carly, I don't know if you're excited about it. I dragged you on here, but I'm glad you made it. Yeah, I'm <laughs> I'm excited for 2021 for sure. Uh, That's a good I think point. I think it can only, well, I'm going to say it can only go up from here, but I have debatable, but we hope debatable. so, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, we'll see. A couple of things before we get in though. I am in the best mood possible. Um, we're recording this on Tuesday, December 29th, and my Buffalo Bills just stopped on the New England Patriots, stopped. And it was amazing. So I'm wearing my Allen Diggs 2020 t-shirt. If you don't like football, I don't care. The bills have been terrible for like 20 years, my whole adult life. And it was a beautiful feeling to watch the Patriots who have been amazing for my whole adult life to get embarrassed on national television. We could have put up 50 points. We didn't, we bristed our starters in the fourth quarter, but it was amazing. And Stefan Diggs life is, is exceptionally handsome. So even if you don't like football, it's worth looking up some he's, of the, the players. Looking, yeah, yeah, just for that. We'll move on. Um, but I think this is going to be fun. So, Carly, let's start with what I got from Andrew on Andrew's oh. bold predictions for 2021. Because I don't agree with all of them. Ooh, all right. From Andrew. Number one, ranked choice voting in 2021 will become a major policy and will arrive in cities and states around the country. For those of you who don't know what ranked choice voting is, instead of, we talk about a lot in this podcast, but just as a primer, instead of voting for one candidate and pulling the lever, you would vote for, you would rank the candidates in the race up to as many, depending on the state. So you would rank all five of them. And then what it will do is if your person who you voted for number one doesn't make the top five, let's say, your vote doesn't count for number one, but your number two vote would then be counted for someone else's number one. So basically like nets out all the craziness. Um, it's a very fascinating policy. Andrew and I have been very, very supportive of it. I think you like this idea too, Carly. Yeah, I, I do like it. Remind me where it already exists. It exists. New York City. In New York City this year for the first time. It has oh. existed in Maine and I believe Oregon. There's a few cities and Andrew's prediction is that it starts to go around the country. 
And so Carly, agree, disagree, thoughts on the first Yang prediction for 2021? Agree. I like it as a policy. It's interesting for me to know that it only just became a reality in New York City. I thought it had been around for longer. So that does suggest to me that, you know, it's picking up steam. I'm looking this up. Which states have ranked choice voting? And I mean, I'll be curious too. It sounds like Yang's predicting it to happen on like a city and state level, not a federal level, which again, agree with that. I don't think we're seeing it on the national level uh, within the next year. Berkeley, California was the one I missed. Um, a couple places in Colorado, Oregon, and Maine are on here. So it's like a liberal Minneapolis thing. is using it. It's a very liberal thing. Um, a lot of Minnesota, a lot of Colorado. And then upcoming, you've got Alaska, Massachusetts. Mm. I would say I disagree. I think it'll be more popular. So it's tough to argue that because um, you already have much dates. But is it? does it take off? I think what's going to happen is ranked choice voting to me gives a little power to the little guy and gives a little power to substance. It embraces for third parties, for outsiders. I think if ranked choice voting was on the presidential campaign, Andrew would have done very well um, um, because I think a lot of people liked him. Um, and if their favorites were dropping out or they maybe more people would have voted for him, number one, knowing that it wouldn't necessarily be a risky vote. Um, but also a lot of people liked him. It incentivized people to run on policy and, and not um, like political theater. That said, if you're an incumbent or let's call it the establishment's pick and you've got the money and the endorsements and the TV ads and the powers that be behind you, you might be able to, you would see this as a threat to your way of life, to your political dominance, and you would probably find ways to claim that it's like in New York, they just claim that it's racist because it's an extra step in voting and that hurts certain um, communities of color, which is, um, I don't think there's any data to back that up, but you could claim there's claims like that being made. Um, so I don't know, my, my thought is that I think it's gonna meet more opposition because it, you're actually challenging the establishment by this. I've not heard that argument. That makes no sense to me. You're still showing up to the polls and now you're putting one, two, three instead of, whatever we were doing previously, that to me seems like a, a stupid argument that's being concocted by people who want to keep this from being a thing, but maybe I'll be proved wrong. I haven't looked into that. I'm interested in the idea of whether or not it really does cut down on like political theater. I think celebrities probably do better in a ranked choice voting system. And really? I don't know, wouldn't you think like name recognition? It's like, all right, I know my number one guy, my number two guy is that other name that I heard of, oh, Okay, you know? And like, I just think of somebody like Trump, obviously he won in 2016 anyways, but like. But I would say Trump is less, is different than a celebrity. You know what I'm saying? Like Trump would, Trump was saying things that, all, there was a general consensus that a lot of people did not like Donald Trump because he was saying things that they thought were racist or didn't agree with or thought he was bucking the party. So I thought he would have been a lot of people's one, but a lot more people's last. And so sure, Trump would so, probably lost in ranked choice voting. But I get what uh, yeah, you're saying. Yeah, yeah. Someone name ID is going to do better if they're not as polarizing. Right, right. Exactly. That's. I think it does help somebody with name ID. And I don't know, political theater can be a good way to get name ID. Your point is that it also makes you more polarized and therefore like if you're a nasty, more polarizing figure. Right? Yeah, yeah. If you're a jerk is what my point is like a lot if yeah. like um if you're attacking all the other candidates maybe that knocks down your opponent a peg but also knocks you down too i'm into it look i'm, I'm into ranked choice voting i think it makes sense i think it'll gain some steam in 2021 i'm with andrew cool. on this one all right i think i think it'll gain steam but i'm not as high on it as andrew is as much as i love it personally i just think it'll hit a lot more resistance um uh, especially if somebody's like losing their power because of it and has a pulpit and has a, a mouthpiece to, to to make a case. Um, okay, Andrew's prediction number two. He says we get cash relief in twenty twenty one multiple times, either multiple bills or recurring cash relief. So you're getting multiple monthly payments. I think I agree with this one. It seems like where we're standing now, cash relief is going to happen. Um, not a lot, six hundred bucks a person. Um, and I think up to 1800 or 1200 per family. I don't think it's finalized yet. And there's some more going on in the Senate as we speak. But I do think this happens. And I think the Biden administration will be more likely to drive some things through here. And it seems to be relatively bipartisan. Thoughts, Carl? I mean, the, look, this also depends on what happens in the Georgia Senate race, right? If, if Democrats have the Senate, I think there's a much stronger case to be made for this. If Republicans mm -hmm. keep the Senate, I think they're going to be like, things are getting better. 
not worse, you know, employment's opening back up. You know, we already had to fight to get this through. I don't know that mm-hmm. they're going to be into multiple payments. Interesting. It is a shame where this the country's burning and we're still debating over it's what little scraps. Absurd. It is absurd. I, I just, I, I do not know how Congress like goes to bed at night feeling okay, looking at the bread lines that are happening, like looking at everything that's going on and like w- what people are dealing with and just being like, well, you know, we're going to, whatever, this is not a new take, but we're going to just push, our fight is to push through like a tax write-off for your martini lunch or whatever the heck that Republican add-on was for this bill. And, you know, it's tough to even blame your rank and file Congress members because they don't even see the bill till you know, three hours before voting starts and it's a 1700 page bill, right? Like it is literally, a, it's Mitch McConnell, Nancy Pelosi and Donald Trump, right? Um, I mean, there's a few other big players, but that's, that's the game right now. Yeah, like even well, the this is what I learned from Yang Yeah, I did not know any of this until y'all had that guest who explained that that's how it works. And you're like, oh, well, that explains... <laughs> that explains why our democracy is so messed up. It's heartbreaking for those of you out there struggling. Um, we're sending love, which is not money, but we are trying to send money um, through a number of efforts um, because talk's cheap. All right, third thing, Manager Gang, prediction for 2021. He's this is an interesting one. He says a third party emerges. Do disagree. Disagree. In terms of, yeah, I'm going to disagree. With the boss. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to disagree from the standpoint that like, look, it depends on what we mean by emerge. You know what I mean? I think we can start, we might start to see whispers of something, but I think in terms of like a major contender, I think we're a couple years out from that. I think, well, why do you think that? Because it's the duopoly is too strong. Yeah. I think the duopoly is really strong. I mean, I think there'll be, there's, there's interest in it, but I think, uh, I just think it takes time to build those kinds of movements. And uh, I don't think it's it's done in a year necessarily, especially a year where things are maybe getting a bit better because the virus is, you That's know. true. Abating. And Joe is a moderate. Um, exactly, yeah. With theoretically less polarizing, but not necessarily. We haven't really talked about this, I don't think. I mean, Andrew's floated it with a number of guests, but Andrew and I have not talked about the, the third party that much. Um, there's a lot of yang yang that say, Andrew, you should run for a third party because the Democrats, Republicans never let you win or they're just a mess and that sort of thing. And look, I have a lot of qualms with uh, both parties, but I do think if Andrew ran as a third party candidate for president, let's call it 2024, um, it would be, he would lose. He'd probably lose badly. And it would not be great. And then that party would probably die. Um, mm-hmm. I think the way a third party emerges is people have to run at the local level um, prominent people at the local level on these types of things. And that's where I think you're right, Carly, that it will not be a year thing. It will take some time, but I don't know. Look, I'm all for breaking up the duopoly. I think at this point they are industries and as as long as they are industries with their own profit motivation, which is what they each kind of have, um, Mm. you know, you're you're kind of doomed. Yeah. So I think we have a a serious need for one. Maybe that's why, you know, I I want one. So I don't want to get my, my hopes up. I think... I, I think we're we're ripe for it, but um, our system just also like our like the framing like from our founding we've had two parties right like our system is is set up to have two so I think if a if a third party emerges it's it's going to have to replace one of the existing two parties because right. we're just not set up to be a system with three competitive parties. Which is why I think Andrew's p- predictions are interesting. With ranked choice voting would set the stage for multiple political parties because mm. um, you have a real chance to win. See, he's so um, comprehensive. Yeah, this is you work it's for like, Andrew long enough and you realize like everything starts to connect with everything else and he has like a, a cohesive worldview. And this yes. is why he should run things because <laughs> he like he sees things holistically. It's so funny, like you know, you you want to bring things to your boss, like new ideas or things like this. But I've always learned with Andrew, like if you're gonna bring something to Andrew, you better be ready to freaking <laughs> defend it. Cause he'll just school you. He'll just he'll just you know, it'll just, and it'll, it'll rip you apart if you're wrong and not, not yeah. like in a mean way. Uh, he'll just very systematically lay it yes, all out just exactly like, as it's supposed um, to be immediately. You're like, oh, um, yeah, yeah, cool, cool, cool. I'm going to go back into my yes. little hole and just do what you told me to. <laughs> I will just. I, I see yeah. you've cut to the core here. I'm thoroughly yes. embarrassed. Next next thought. Um, 
Which is, and he's a, and the thing is that he's a very good listener too. It's not like he's going to do that. If, if you're right, you're golden. You know, he's going to make oh, that yeah. makes logical oh, no, sense. He, good he's, call. Yeah, he's, he's a great boss. He's good to yeah. learn from. Um, But you better become ready to play. Better be ready to play. Speaking of ready to play, what are your predictions? My first one is that we fully reopen vaccine, vaccinated society, essentially back to business. September 21, September 2021, we start the roaring 20s and you start travel, stores are opening, sports, dating, people get orgies. all excited. I was seeing an article about this. That all people are going to have orgies well, because orgies of- became a big thing in the 1920s, apparently, which again was no. after the 1918 pandemic. So you see this like, that like part of the roaring 20s in the 1920s was a result of the pandemic of 1918. Just being pent up. And wow. it was like, you know, you had the flapper dresses. This was like. The, uh, one era of sort of like women's sexual liberation, like pre the pill of like little flapper dresses and the rest of it. And apparently orgies were a thing. So wow. I, so you're saying September, 2021 is when that is wild. Again? But I do predict a, a, a two, you know, 21st century version of the roaring 20s starting September, 2021. Okay. I think it'll be earlier. Okay. I, I agree. Right. I think clearly we're going to open up again in 2021 and it's going to be madness madness on the dating apps um but i think i think it'll come sooner because we have so all the high-risk people are being they're trying to get them all vaccinated in the first half of the year right if the high priority people have been vaccinated by june say in those first six months like if they fulfill that timeline then i mean really try and stop people from like going and raging in the summer like and you know we don't have to just talk about the party scene obviously there's work and and other things yeah so there's twofold challenges on this where it's there's governments are forcing things to be closed which we can agree or disagree with depending on the location and timing and things like that but there's also just there is a lack of demand right like right now people are there's plenty of restaurants in the south that are allowed to stay open Mm -hmm. and they're hurting because people are not going out to Mm -hmm. eat or traveling and tourism is down and all these things so this this a notion on the right in particular that the government is forcing things to be terrible is, is not fully true. There is a global pandemic and people are scared. Um, so I do think if you can get the fear down, you then have a, a better demand that will force governments to follow suit. I don't think governments are really set up to lead in the 21st century right now. So mm. I think, uh, but I look, I'd love it to be earlier. I think, um, I, I guess I meant governments will see how good summer goes and then start to open back up in the fall and feel better about the, the numbers going down and the vaccinations going up. What's what's your first thing? What's your like, what is the thing you miss most, Zach? What are you trying to do? I will be at, I think I'll just go to the Buffalo Bills Stadium. In the <laughs> oh, I set that one up so perfectly. Just to yeah, sit of course there you are. and soak it in. We're finally good. And I can't go to a game. You know what I'm saying? I bought season tickets. They're not, that doesn't, I'm not rich. Uh, I just spend the little spending money I have on the cheap season tickets. And I split them with my brother. But I can't go. I can't go. It's so, so yeah, I think I would just show up in Buffalo. Uh, yeah. And just yeah, hang yeah. out. Anyway, what's the first thing you do? Oh, oh, I asked this question. I should have been prepared to have it flipped on me. I don't know. I'd probably just like a big old restaurant indoor scene with like all my favorite people. Like, mm. let's just go all hug each other up inside somewhere. I don't know. <laughs> You're going to have the orgy. Jesus. Carl. Well, no, no, no. Like anywhere. a friend, a friend. You heard it here. Orgy. That was weird. <laughs> Oh boy. Uh, oh boy. Gosh, we might have to cut this out. Okay. Um, <laughs> thank you, Carl. All right. What's <laughs> what's your prediction? First prediction. Joe Biden by executive order cancels, let's call it ten thousand dollars of federal student loan debt. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. Oh yeah. There's, there's so I much that's interesting have an episode about of Andrew this. On this. We yeah, have not yeah. yet. So let's crack this can of worms. Okay. There's so much here. Again, will he do this? recently he's indicated maybe he wants to try and do like canceling student loan debt via like legislation as opposed to by executive order in which case again we're kind of waiting around to see what happens at the georgia senate runoff but i think the case for canceling student loan debt is even stronger if you do it by executive order right because you know i people are kind of mixed on the whole canceling student loan debt Yes, they are. Question, because they say it's regressive. They say you're just benefiting, you know, the elites anyway. Correct. And my feeling is like, look, first of all, it depends how you do it. If you only cancel undergraduate debt, it actually becomes, you know, it's benefiting a lot of people who are in the middle and like lower middle classes as well. And frankly, something that's helping the middle class right now is certainly something we should be thinking about, right? Mm -hmm. Um, But 
you know, if, if you're saying, should we cancel student loan debt or should we pass another stimulus check for folks? I'm 100% going stimulus check. That's where you're going to hit, you know, people who you have less have money, poor people. Okay. I'd rather give cash. But you think Biden's going to do this thing. And why is it a good idea? Well, this is what I'm saying. So it's a good idea because it is something, right? Because he can do it. <laughs> it looks like he can do it by executive order, right? Yeah. That's why it's so awesome. Because look, at the end of the day, it is it is a stimulus, right? You're going to, you have a lot of people, this is, there's been a lot made of this, right? Like people our age not buying homes because they're laden with student loan debt. You can take that burden off people's backs. We are going to spend money more. We are going to engage in the economy more. So it is a stimulus. It's not the perfect stimulus in my mind, but the problem mm -hmm. is the perfect stimulus that I want just took eight months to pass. And I'm not convinced we're right. going to get Republicans not on board just with one it again. Joe Biden stroke of yeah. the Right. Um, it's also just so interesting. The whole argument about what, about whether or not he can do this by executive order is a really interesting one. Like this basically goes back. The reason people are making this argument is because of this decision Obama made in 2010, where he cut out all the middlemen, like the private middlemen in um, federal, like with federal student loan debt. And it's just such a good example of like these little things that presidents do that probably didn't mean anything to us at the time that later on have huge implications. And it's like, yes. I've been reading so much about this. After Joe Biden, what president wants to be the asshole that says, just kidding, it's not canceled. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, it just won't happen. Um, yeah. Well, yeah, they just, you know, the basically the Department of Justice or the Department of Education can just decide like not to collect this money. Um, now, some people, I think Warren or, or others, I think want it to be like all canceled. That that's right. going a little far to me. I think I think you cap it at 10k, or maybe you uh, there's like it's means tested. Though I'm not, I don't tend to be a fan of means tested things because. But you could do for only undergraduate, which would avoid. Yeah, I think a lot of people going to med school or law school don't yeah. particularly need it, and their jobs will pay for it anyway. Um, yeah, I think you only undergraduate, and and really then there are a lot of working class people that you're you're majorly benefiting. Um, so, so I'm, I'm totally in favor, uh, especially again, if you can do it by executive order, it's something like bring it on, yeah. like, just like, you know, let's get something I, happening um, here. So the old, so I'll say this, I had around 200 grand in student loans when I was 22 or so. And most of those were not federal. Um, cause we, I was in that horrible zone where your parents made some money so uh, you couldn't qualify for any public loans, but not enough to ever pay for college. Um, so you had to go to college on just all debt and all private debt, um, which you know, I, I understand why, but it's still never fun. Um, and so, and we're talking like you de you graduate day one and like your first payments due pretty quickly and it's 800 to $1,000, right? It's That's a massive payment. Um, and... Um, so for me, I, you know, I, I, I worked them off. Like I, you know, I, um, I sold my soul for 10 years on wall street and, um, you know, it was rough at, I didn't make a lot of money at first, but over time I took every bonus I got, which wasn't as big as people would think a wall street bonus was, but it was, it was sizable to eventually get 200 grand and knock it out over essentially a decade. So I would be very, very happy for all the people getting out of debt. I would be very, very happy, I think, from an economic standpoint. I think it's the right, like, if you're trying to get the weight off of a younger generation, it probably makes the most sense. But it also would frustrate me because there's a reason I didn't major in theater and <laughs> things I was passionate about because I was a theater nerd. There's a reason I didn't major in stuff that wasn't going to pay the bills was because is a reason I took that job on Wall Street. Now, generally, I, I liked a lot of my people there and I did learn a lot, but I wouldn't have picked that. Um, I would have worked to Teach for America, I think. Um, so. Wow. How that the world would, would be different. Me. You never oh, would have so found different. Andrew Yang. That's probably you true. Know? Who, who knows? Who knows? Um, but my point yeah. is, I mean, and maybe people listening to this like boohoo Zach, like people are struggling, which you're probably right. But I, I imagine the people who have paid it off or have worked their ass off and made life choices that were really challenging and maybe against their wills and passions and best interests in many ways to get out of debt. It is like a, oh, come on. Oh, like, I really, you fully know? expect everybody who's paid off their debt to be jealous and they have every right to be. We should still do it in lieu yes. of nothing yes. else being possible because we and have a And if I'm that Senate, guy, so. I'm the person that should be the most jealous in terms of like didn't come for money, worked his ass off to pay them off, you know? Um, yeah, though you weren't going to be helped with this anyway because you didn't have federal loans. That's so true. You're sort of out of the question. 
That's true. Uh, you know, in but any if you're case, talking about we can only really all. cancel federal debt. But I'm, yeah. I'm saying whatever, just do it. Like at yeah, some yeah. point, like what uh, the analogy I heard is like, uh, I don't know. It's like everybody well, else should suffer because I had to is not right. Really is is a terrible way to, way to live your society. life. Uh, yeah, and it sucks. Yeah, just start um, meditating or something and get over that. But I do think I, uh, people have made dumb decisions with their money in terms of there's people that have gone to very expensive schools with no foreseeable path forward afterwards. I and also don't think a ton of debt. You know, you and um, I were both in this position. You're 18 years old. You're kind of following the people are telling you it's so important to go to a good school. There's social pressure around what college you go to, sort of where I was, for instance. And and you're 18. Like, what the heck do you know? You have, like, no concept of, like, what it means to lead with debt. And I think this we is just something that's... We don't teach financial literacy. No, so we teach nothing. So nobody's equipped. This actually will tie well into my next prediction. But, you know, none of us are equipped. I, I am curious to know what people have been doing during this time where there has been this moratorium on student loan payments. I still have student loan debt. and And I've been fortunate enough to have a job. But I actually haven't been... I haven't been making my payments because there's no interest accruing because I've been sort of under this idea of like cash is king right now. Um, right. So I've been saving that money, but I, I kind of wanted on, I was like waiting for the apocalypse to come and I wanted to like, you know, have my, my shekel yeah, saved man. for like, you know, food shotgun. Or yeah, well, exactly. I'm Y2K uh, stocked up. Yeah, I get it. Yeah. So, uh, um, so that was sort of my, my thinking on it though. And, and now I'm waiting cause I'm like, well, man, if he wipes this stuff out, uh, that's fair. You know, I would be super All right. mad if Bold I like, prediction, Carly Riley, is that yeah. we wipe out 10K student loan debt. You guys, if you have 10K in federal loans, better hope Don't uh, pay. Carly's Don't pay right. yet. Don't pay yet. Don't pay yet, Wait. apparently. Give um, us like the first 100 days to see what happens. This podcast is sponsored by Helix Sleep. I've always been a mattress guy because I figured if I'm going to do something for up to eight hours, maybe I should do it right. And Helix Sleep lets you do it right by sending you one of 20 unique mattresses that's tailored for you. I took the Helix Sleep quiz, takes only a couple minutes, and I was matched with a Helix Dawn mattress because I wanted something that felt firm and I sleep on my back. That mattress is exactly what I needed, but strangely enough, my kids now seek out that mattress in the house and want to sleep on it even though I did not order it with them in mind. If you have a high quality mattress, it is a game changer, a huge difference maker. Don't take my word for it. Helix has been awarded the number one mattress picked by GQ and Wired Magazine. It is even recommended by multiple leading chiropractors and doctors of sleep medicine as a go-to solution for improving your sleep. Helix is offering up to 30% off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners. Go to helixsleep.com slash yang. That's helixsleep.com slash yang. This is their best offer yet, and it won't last long. With Helix, better sleep starts now. All right, here's my second prediction. I'm predicting a, a significant fall in our educational institutions, specifically college, while we're talking about college. Does that mean like lower enrollment? Just the current generation just got a raw deal where like they were supposed to, I and mean, it just like cut to the bone of what you actually pay for in college and what matters. So these kids are having to pay like 60K a year. Um, they're not getting a college experience. Um because they're not on campus, they're not growing socially and that sort of thing. And um, they are taking all their classes online, usually at home, or if they're in the college town, they are distanced and that sort of thing. And I think it'll change the way employers and people look at the purpose of college. If you wanna go for like a social development situation, that'll be a luxury item, like summer camp for kids who are you know leaving their home at 18. But if you wanna go and just like get to work, um, there will be way more options in the, uh, basically in the marketplace, um, from, because of technology and its improvement. And I would even argue that your big tech companies will enter this space, your Amazon's mm. Facebook, your YouTube, Google situation where, and I think Scott Galloway is someone we really love has talked a lot about this, um, in the oh, past is like, Scott that's Galloway. one of the only places that those companies can actually get sizable growth. That's ripe for disruption in the tech space. And it'd been, it's been hard to do in the past, but those brands have all been hurt. 
and look at now, like sports has changed. College sports has changed. Um, that that tide is shifting, I think, in terms of how we look at college athletes. So look, that's my prediction. I think these education, the allure of educational institutions as someone who went to one with a, somewhat of an allure, I think it's going to start fading. Um, I think all, people always pay for like the best of the best, maybe. Um, but I think it'll change. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I like this. I think I think higher education so desperately needs a shakeup. What that looks like, I, I you know, who knows exactly. I think I'm totally with Andrew on the fact that we need fewer people going to four-year colleges and we need to weigh up the trade school quota and getting people into jobs that are less ripe for automation. I think the second piece to this is just a need to democratize higher education. Uh, and you brought up Scott Galloway. So I'm going to talk about him too. I have to usually limit myself to how much I can talk about Scott Galloway or I would do basically nothing but talk about Scott Galloway. Um, okay. So you've, you've, you've opened to the way, which is he, I think section four is his newest venture. Um, and it's all about democratizing higher education. His point mm. is we have stopped recognizing like that professors and these educational institutions have stopped seeing themselves as public servants and started to see themselves as luxury goods and that that is so backwards, right? He talks about Harvard has this like 39, whatever it is, billion dollar endowment or whatever the heck the Harvard endowment yeah, is. And the the admission officer, you know, the head of admissions is like bragging about the fact that they could double the size of the incoming freshman class, but they don't, you know, saying like, oh, there are so many good applicants. And his point is like, why don't you? Like double the size of the incoming freshman class then. You have more money than you could ever need. Why are we not like bringing more sort of smart, qualified people into this fold, why are we treating this like such a luxury item? $41 billion. $41 billion. Dollars. Like That's they insane. can afford- People don't really understand how big a billion is, but so got he's, 40 of them. Scott's very, very much in favor of getting more people, <laughs> Ivy, you know, Ivy League educations, put whatever stock in that you can. And then I'm a, a big proponent of, of then also getting more people into trade schools and trade programs. I think we totally need to rethink this whole thing. And I think you're right that we will have to move in that direction. The role of big tech is interesting. I've looked very little into that, but. I, I think they've been, they're looking for growth. They're like, they're, you know, um, they're getting into media and I think education is a big one too. And that, and one that they can do, um, like, does that mean Amazon starts a university? I don't know. For specifically for certain tech jobs or whatever it is. I mean, you, you could see this all over the place. Um, like Facebook trying to bring into their, I mean, whether it's their own company or other tech companies, you get a Facebook certificate in coding or mm. customer service or shit like that. Like imagine like that, that to me is almost a better brand than Harvard. Like I got this kid that knows exactly what a tech company like Facebook needs in yeah, ad sales yeah. or I've got a liberal Ooh. arts degree from Harvard. So um, I mean, think about that. That's yep. wild. Yeah, um, wild. And you're totally and right. And if they're working remotely and like do the social skills matter as much? I don't know. Like that's usually one of the things you're going to be a Harvard man. You're going to be a Duke man, whatever the hell or, or woman, whatever the, you know, you get what I'm saying. And that there's this sort of brand and allure to the university. I don't think that's going to matter as much. And I think my prediction is that it happens way faster than you think. I think it happens like these universities, they'll be fine. They've got billions of dollars in their endowment. They probably have to fire a bunch of people and other things. But um, I think this, the traditional educational paths as we know it will start to crumble and shift. That's my prediction. What about you, Carl? Number two. All right. Number two. I think Robinhood, the trading app, precipitates a Not financial crisis. Not the charity, which I've also been working with recently. Robinhood, the trading app causes a financial crisis among millennials, like very similar to the way subprime mortgage lenders messed everything up in the lead up to 2008. Okay. This is a bit of a doomsday. So for prediction. those of you who don't understand what Robinhood is, I'll give you the dumb version and then Carla will give you the smart version. So Robinhood <laughs> if, is a investment app. So you can trade real money in the stock market um, on your phone so similar to what e-trade is or what they're, Fidelity yeah they're an electronic have, broker but it's on your phone and it's designed the way facebook is it's designed with silicon valley engineers to make it addictive and fun and gamified except it's real money um so just to, just for those of you who have not downloaded I'm, we are not encouraging you in particular to download Robinhood, but this is a real thing and it's very, very popular. I, I would be interested to know what percent of the Yang Speaks audience doesn't know Robinhood because by the numbers, most of us are, 
are on it if we're millennials. No, I, I don't no, know. There's there's no, most the Yankee audience no. is diverse, Carl. Don't don't you do not that. just millennials. Don't sorry, sorry, sorry. No offense if you're a standard millennial listening to this, but we go across the spectrum. Keep going. Yeah, yeah. Ages, okay, fair. Genders, you name it. All right. Here's the thing. Robinhood has exploded. So I first downloaded Robinhood in 2014, and I should say I am a Robinhood user. So this is not to like knock Robinhood wholesale, right? I think. I think the idea that we need more people, like kind of smartly, operative word, invested in the stock market is is obvious and true, right? Because you look at wealth inequality, income inequality, so much of this is driven by the fact that such a small percent of Americans participate in the stock market. The problem with Robinhood specifically is they have lured in all of these young people because they were the first platform to say commission-free trading, we won't charge you when you place a trade. And mm -hmm. to the point Zach made, they had this like fun Silicon Valley gamified user interface that triggers all of like the dopamine centers that, you know, Instagram Addictive, and Facebook, like Facebook and Instagram, trigger. All it's, so, it's a yeah. social media app. Um, and the problem right now is you're luring on all these young people who are, myself included, novice investors who don't really know what we're doing. We're pouring a bunch of money into companies like Tesla and Peloton, companies I love, but let's be honest, like they have valuations the that are above stocks, their, the fun yeah, stocks, their story stocks. Uber. Tesla. Uh, you know, they have valuations that are above Although their economic fundamentals. Love Peloton. Love, you know, Tesla's very cool too. But you have Elon Elon Musk literally earlier this year. Was like, don't buy it. Uh, oh, no. You're just like, oh, yeah, I think we're like a little overvalued. Like Elon yeah. Musk is the most confident said, dude on the planet. Please don't buy my company. And he's like, yeah, I feel like this valuation's like a little high. And like, and the stock went up like 40% the next week. Like nobody's paying attention to any, like nobody's listening to anything. Um, so, so I think we are very clearly in a story stock bubble that is very connected to Robinhood and the Robinhood user base. Uh, I, there's a there's an Instagram like influencer I follow called literally her her name is girl with no job, and she posted recently on her story a DM she had received from somebody being like, oh my god thanks for recommending like Chewy stock I just invested and it's exploded like it's my best stock in the portfolio and you're like God oh, this boy. is a case study in bubbles it's <laughs> like stock advice from girl with no job who is very That's smart terrifying. this is not a knock on her but like we are in a bubble with certain stocks. The story, the simple story of 2008, which anybody who watched The Big Short knows, is that subprime mortgage lenders pushed mortgages on a lot of people who couldn't afford them, right? Like, you know, high mortgages that people couldn't afford to pay. And as long as housing prices were going up, this worked fine because people would refinance. They could then continue to pay off their mortgage. It wasn't a problem. And there was this whole narrative that mortgage and home prices will never go down. They'll never fall, right? This was like this the, the great, you know, fraud that was being the great line that was being like perpetrated. And of course, eventually housing prices did start to fall. People no longer could afford their mortgages. And there was this whole crisis that ensued because these shady brokers had pushed leverage and pushed mortgages on people who couldn't afford them. This is what is happening with Robinhood. Robinhood is pushing people to make, to actively trade way more than is really sensible. But worse, they're pushing margin on people, which means they're giving people access. They're loaning users money. It is very easy to trade on margin with Robinhood. Robinhood will loan you money to make trades, right? Anytime you're loaned money, you have to pay that money back and you have to pay it back with interest. Right now, stocks are going up. So the impact of people trading on margin is not being felt. That will eventually stop and you are going to have a really, really bad situation where you have young people who didn't really know what they were doing Holding, having traded on margin and being stuck with a bill way beyond what they can afford. They're also pushing people to get into options trading, which is another way riskier you know, type of trading that a lot of people don't understand. And it's also going to leave people holding the bag. And there are lawsuits around this very fact happening right now. Massachusetts is suing them because they're saying you can't gamify this and push this on people. Um, so that's where it's very similar to 2008. And we're going to have some, some bad outcomes come 2021. If they've been loaned money and then they are riding this bull market and making money is the issue like when things start to go down and they keep getting loan money and then they start losing it or have they already made enough money are they playing with house money at this point because the market's doing so well no well this is what connects to they're invested in companies that are eventually going to collapse or collapse is not the right word they're invested in companies whose valuations are going to go down because the valuations are way too high because and they haven't cashed out i see right because they're driving it up and if you start investing in a bull market like this you get very confident it's impossible to avoid i feel it right yep. you're like maybe i'm kind of good at this i keep making money stocks keep going up and you have that feeling like in 2008 the sense that housing prices are never going to go down you start to feel like stock prices aren't going to go down dave portnoy i mean he's doing it to be funny but he says this all the, the time barstool guy 
Yeah, Barstool, the founder of Barstool. Like stocks can't go down. Stocks only go up. And you, you see that, oh, like people have that kind of feeling when they ride a huge bull market. And so these yeah. valuations are way too high. They're going to go down and people are going to be really financially hurt by it. So there it is. You heard it from Carly. Robinhood and just like the millennial entrance into the financial markets through Robinhood is going to hit millennials the hardest and some sort of financial collapse is what you're predicting. I get that right? Sure. I'll, well, you know, I, I don't think this will necessarily be something on the scale of 2008, but I think millennials are going to be going to be burned by Robinhood, let's say I'm that, in 2021 it. when stocks finally start to come back down to a sane level. Very cool. All right. Um, my third prediction, niche players in the media space starting to emerge. Um, so I think you're already seeing this with the success of a number of podcasts um, and personalities doing well in that space. But I think it's deeper than that, where it's uh, Substack uh, is a big one for a lot of journalists. Um, and then I think Parler, which is the right wing social media app. Apparently, the tech is pretty terrible, but I think that's just the beginning. Um, I think you're going to have ratings hurt in a lot of these major media companies which means they'll either start getting desperate and start getting more like hyper-focused and partisan, or people are going to start taking their place. Um, I don't think we end up in a world where everybody subscribes to their own little things. I do think eventually this will be consolidated and even um, there may be some even regulation around this, particularly on our social media companies that are driving a lot of the divisiveness. But I do think you're going to have a, rise of small and eventually larger new types of media empires. Um, that's my prediction. Thoughts? Yes. 100%. Curious as to... One of them might be Yang Speaks. Ayo! Oh! Right, well, Yang, Yang Speaks would fall into that category of, of kind of niche. I think what you have happening is this fragmentation, right? You have Matthew Iglesias and Ezra Klein leaving Vox, the media company they built. You have Matt Taibbi leaving Rolling Stone to start a Substack. I mean, you have... This, this kind of Barry Weiss leaving the New York Times. You have this mass exodus of sort of individual reporters. Um, you have this rise in podcasts and sub stacks. And, 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 and so I have a very like curated media diet, you know, like, like Scott Galloway, who I read of, you know, anytime he has a newsletter. But, uh, you know, I follow a lot of sub stackers. So at this point, my media diet is very much the one that I curate. Um, and this is working for me for now. Um, but I do think there's something to be said for, like bigger organizations that can uh, kind of scoop up these fragmented players and and bring them all under one roof. Um, so I think that would be very interesting to see. News, which is kind of what we're flirting with here. News should not just be entertainment. It should not just be candy. It should not just be what we want. It also needs to be what we need, what we need to know. Um, it needs to be vegetables. It, like no one, at least as a kid, you don't love vegetables, but you need to have them. Um, and we haven't gotten that in a long time. Um, and there are journalists out there that are giving it, but there is probably still value in this curation of that. That's why editors used to exist to kind of balance your diet of news um, to keep with my food analogy. So I, um, I just think my prediction is that this all gets disrupted. Like this is the time. Like Trump was the, the dam that was holding them together. Him being gone will break it. Um, that may he may be one of the people that start that if he goes and starts a social media company for himself, they would be huge um, or a media firm and that sort of thing. And that'll cause a lot of responses. I'm not sure, but I think pretty feeling pretty strong that something happens there, um, particularly post COVID too. the rise of like alternative social media terrifies me. Like if we get to a point where, you know, Republicans and Democrats already don't speak to each other very well, if we get to the point where we are on our own sort of ideologically separated platforms, I think it's devastating. I will say, because I'm so concerned about this, I signed up for Parler just to like keep tabs on what was happening. I've checked it all of about once. The signing up for Parler process was stu was a nightmare. It like the tech was terrible. It's a terrible platform. So I'm not sure that Parler yeah, poses much of a threat. The, the one but is, yeah. you know, <laughs> if, if that were to happen and, and maybe it can't because these companies are just too big and, and everybody's on them. But um I think that's a terrifying prospect because that's at least the one place we all are, even if we're living in our own silos within them. Um we're at least under the uh, same the same roof. It's um 
I'm going to try one of my goals as much as possible is to, and we haven't been doing it recently, um, but I want to be better about make helping our audience members eat their vegetables, you know, and like they come to hear news that is that I think you need to know. We all need to know. And it's terrifying for me. And I think you too, you're saying is like, I consider myself a well-informed voter or citizen, but there's times I'm just like, I don't think I'm getting the right perspectives here. And it's hard you're one of the best people I know and like trying to find new sources of info and always reading, always trying to better yourself and learn. Well, I will say I don't go to any institutions to know what I want to know. I go to individuals. You go to people. And that's right? what's striking. Yeah. And I no longer go to any institution. There's pros and cons to that, right? Yeah. Um, there's a lot of yeah. pros in some ways, but there's some cons. It's, just, it's one human, right? Um, yep. There's a lot of power for personality. Um, okay. Carl, last prediction. Ooh, last prediction. Uh, I think security deposits are going to become a thing of the past. Whether that happens entirely in 2021, I won't say, but I think we are going to see their descent into obsolescence. Mm. And so this the big is cities, a, if you have to do a security deposit in your, depart, in your apartment, they're going away. Yep. And this is a, a bit of a personal project. This is something I'm working on at my company. So this was a selfish pick, but I, I actually think that it's is true. Selfish. I think- You're shilling for Kairos. Oh, you shilled and Andrew shilled. We're all shilling. We shilled for Freshly, which is very good. <laughs> <laughs> and this is a fun podcast, but yeah. We're all just shills. There are $45 billion in security deposits locked up around the country right now, uh, which is a fascinating number that I did not know. $45 billion. Dang. Yeah. Okay. So this is That's money. That's a Harvard endowment plus yeah. a <laughs> Yeah. It's, it's bigger than the Harvard endowment. And it's our money <laughs> sitting in escrow accounts. And it can't get interest, right? It can't invest it, right? Well, so this is what I'm going to say. Landlords aren't even... It benefits landlords because they stay protected from damages to their property, but they can't earn interest on it. So the only thing it's doing is protecting them. But there are other ways to do that. So for instance, when you lease a car, you don't put down a security deposit, you get car insurance. And, you know, so again, I'm working with a company that does this. It's an insurance alternative to security deposits. I'm renting an apartment right now. I'm going through the process. I'm choosing to use Rhino and to use a monthly insurance payment plan as opposed to a security deposit because I don't want that money locked up. And by the way, one in four renters don't get their security deposit back. This is another industry that is to me just ripe for disruption. Once you start thinking about it, you can't unthink it. It's like ridiculous. once you realize security deposits make no sense, you like can't unlearn that information. And then anytime- Looking for you... an apartment now, it's terrible. You're like, yeah. I owe you what and why? And what are yeah. you going to do with that money? You're just going to sit on it to make sure I'm not an asshole, right? Right. And you, you know, you it. get it. There's when, other ways it, to do that. When you're introduced to the concept, you're like, oh, yeah, I guess this is just how it works. And it should not have to be that way. So I think this this concept of replacing security deposits makes way too much sense. You keep the landlord protected. Renters don't have to lock up their money for eternity until they buy a home, basically. And uh, it makes way too much sense to not gain, gain traction. It's going to happen. Okay. So Carly, your predictions to recap, you've got an executive order canceling student loan, 10K in federal student loan debt. Yep. Robinhood screwing over millennials and security deposits going away. By the end of the year, no more security or just no, starts no, to go no, away. No, no, no. We're yeah, you're going to see the rise in the obsolescence. I love that word. Of security obsolescence. deposits. Obsolescence. Wow. For those yeah. of you who didn't go to whatever liberal institution Carly crawled out of <laughs> uh obsolescence means it's a, out of it's date. It's a form of obsolete. And my predictions are we fully reopen we all reopen in September 2021. Our educational institutions, as we know them, start to change, and new media players are going to start to rise. And Andrews, as you as you know, ranked choice voting, cash relief, and a third party coming out. So it's pretty tight. This is kind of a cool situation. Let's end with a. Um, I'll give you one more, Carl. Give me a fun one uh, that's less serious than security deposits obsolescence. <laughs> <laughs> Taylor Swift, my girl. She came out with two albums in quarantine, as we all should know by this point, I'm saying she does something really cool and different and creative when things open up again, like some sort of like outdoor, intimate, secret, folklore, mm. evermore concert, because they're both very like socially distant or is this uh... no no we're talking the world opens up again it's all safe oh, okay. and she she like you know i see her on like a lawn chair like with flowing hair like strumming an acoustic guitar and like nobody knows about it until it breaks on social media like three months later we're running this back in december of 2021 okay uh see who, to hold us accountable who's the most right? and then and um my prediction is that the bills buffalo bills go to the afc championship i want to say they're going to win the super bowl 
but I, I, don't, I feel like that. I jinx it. I would, I'm going to jinx. I don't want to jinx it. Okay. So what we're going to do is we're going to bet on this thing because we have to. That's the way this this works. Yeah. We have to put some skin in the game. Um, so, and it'll be a long time between now and then, but we will check in on these. So, and Andrew doesn't know, but I'm going to commit him to whatever we wager. So what we're going to do is we're going to ask you guys what you think we should bet. And then we'll circle back next week and decide. So if you have an idea of what we should bet, if we think Carly should, I don't know, have to wear a Josh Allen jersey and run around <laughs> football pads. Okay, uh, and you have to wear or, then a Taylor Swift t-shirt or something. I Maybe. Maybe we can do this. I'm just saying. So these are the crazy ideas. What does Andrew do? Andrew has to... Wear a Josh Allen and Taylor Swift. <laughs> he has to do both. He has to sing a Taylor Swift song and a Josh Allen jersey. Uh, I don't know. Um, so use the hashtag Yang Speaks Wager. That's where I go with hashtag Yang Speaks Wager and give us your thoughts on Twitter, on Instagram. I'll look at both. Um, Carly will look at both. We'll find the good ones. Yang we'll Speaks Wager. Yang, All right. Yang Speaks Wager. We'll make him do something stupid. Well, Yang's probably going to be right. Andrew, um, yeah, of so course. Andrew's favorite do stupid. Taylor Swift song, I'm pretty sure, is I Don't Want to Live Forever. Really? We learned this on the campaign. Well, it was funny because on the campaign trail, on the presidential campaign trail, he would always be like, this one's for Carly because he knew I love Taylor Swift. And it would always mm. be, I don't want to live forever. So my hypothesis is that happened That's to be Andrew's fave. also favorite Taylor Swift song. So a lot of people don't know this is that, uh, like if you're listening to this whole episode, you were getting some Easter eggs. It's great. So Andrew would love to DJ, especially in the early days when oh, we would yeah. drive our own car back and forth from New Hampshire. And he only had like, a handful of basically songs from the eighties <laughs> like from his college days, eighties <laughs> and nineties, um, like downloaded on his phone. Cause he had like iTunes essentially on his phone. So we would listen to like jet black heart and the script and not the script. Who was he? Who did he love? Like, oh, the there's like a, a, a Melissa Etheridge. I feel like there's like a Melissa Etheridge song he loves. Like, I feel like, didn't he like Barracuda? I feel like he loves the song yes. Barracuda. Like all the, like, it was just like Yang's deep cut, yeah. deep tracks. Like these yeah. songs, like, what are you listening to? What was he his favorite? He has like some good angry forget? men. He's got like some angry men that like yes. sing passionately. Um, He does have pretty cool music taste. But, he, does, uh, he, does, he does. All right. For those of you who made it, these are our bold predictions for 2021. Would love to hear your predictions as well. You can always use Ask Yank Speaks as a hashtag to tell us, but I really want you to use Yank Speaks Wager and let's bet on these bad boys and tell us what idiotic things we could do. Um, when I, or I want really want Carly to do the dumb stuff because I'm definitely gonna be right. Thank you all for listening. We love you to death. Have a happy new year. Let's please, for the love of God, make 2021 better than 2020. Bye guys. Amen. Happy new year.